Bibles or on your technology, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2. I want to challenge us a little bit this morning, if you allow me to. Some things that uh, really are dear to my heart, and also I believe a lot of this is dear to your pastor's heart. And it's great that God has given you Pastor Dale. Amen. And uh, three or four of you said great. The rest of you, amen, all right, which is good. But uh, here we see in, in Nehemiah chapter 2, and we're looking at verse 17, where it says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth the waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no more of reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah came to Jerusalem. You know, Nehemiah's job before he came was to eat the food before the king ate it or drink his wine before he drank his wine. Because of his poisonous, then Nehemiah would die and not the king. But now Nehemiah got favor of the king, and Nehemiah now has been allowed to leave his job and allowed to leave the king and go to Jerusalem because his heart was heavy on what was going on back in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah knew the time had finally come to let the people know the purpose of his trip. He was there for three days. For three days they saw him there. They saw him go to the gates. They saw him go around the rubble. They saw him around the area, but they didn't know why he was there. But now, in verse 17, he decides it's time to explain to the people why he's there. He had no idea how the people would respond. He had no idea how the people would say if he told him why he was there. It's like as you have faith promise. Your pastor often wonders how you're going to respond, and all of us should be responding, but he wonders how you're going to respond to the, to the task of what's around us. And Nehemiah was a newcomer. And there was a chance that these people may not agree with Nehemiah. There was a chance that they may not follow him. But he was a man with a vision. He was a man that had a vision of getting the, the rubble back up, getting the walls back up. He was a man that from God which made him a man on a mission. So he gathered the people together. Like you gather together every Sunday and how you're doing some mission emphasis Sundays. And you gather together and you share and pastor shares his vision, not only for the world, but he also shares his vision right here in Port Charlotte. Now, share, stay with me. And Nehemiah could not keep quiet about his, about his vision. I mean, the, he showed the situation. He gave a solution, and then he made a suggestion. And then he started then working on the walls. Do you believe this morning, church, that there is something that's being done for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Say amen. Right here in Port Charlotte. You've got to start right here. And then go on to the Caribbean and all around the world. Right now there are 30, there's 38 island nations in the Caribbean. And there's only, and there's 41 million people. And God and the organization that we're familiar with, that we're affiliated with, called the Baptist Bible Fellowship, there's only six full-time career missionaries for 41 million people. That's sad. But we're going to get into that in just a moment. But look at verse 17. He said, Then I said unto them, You see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste. Now, why did Nehemiah feel he needed to make that statement? 
I mean, they knew the situation. These people have lived there all this time. They saw the walls come down. They saw the walls up. They saw the walls every day. They saw them every moment. And, and the thing is, churches, the people have become so used to seeing the walls, they hardly noticed they were down. Why? Because they became complacent. I remember when Port Charlotte and this area began. I remember when your first, the first pastor of this church came and began this church. There was nothing here hardly. I mean, barely there was, a, 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 barely was people. And now it's grown up, and those who have been here a long time, it's, this area has grown up, hasn't it? Amen, come on now. Don't go to sleep yet, that's later on, all right? But it's grown up. And as the Braves bring their stadium in, and as other things come in, young families are going to come in, and older families will come in. And guess what, church? This church is going to, this area is going to continue to grow. But the problem is we get complacent of people around us. We say, oh, that just happens. Now hold on to my thought this morning. I mean, you open your eyes because Nehemiah's words were a wake-up call for them. He said, open your eyes. Things are serious. You cannot watch the news today without realizing our world is in a serious problem. And Nehemiah had a fresh set of eyes. He brought a new perspective. And there was a definite problem they all needed to address. And Nehemiah clearly identifies it. Nehemiah verse 17 says, he says, we're in, the situation we're in is very simple. It really goes back to Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where it says, go ye into all the world. That means everyone is to go ye into all the world. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been saved five, five minutes or five years or 50 years, it's still your responsibility to go ye into all the world. It doesn't say go Rick. It doesn't say go Fran. It doesn't say go Pastor Dale. It says go ye. I mean you. You're getting awful quiet. Where to go? Hey, you realize, aren't you thankful for Sunshine Baptist Church? But you know, this, is not, this church is not for you. It's for your grandkids. It's for the young. It's, why is it for me? I'm sitting here. I help put my time. What I'm saying is, it's for the next generation. That's why we got to keep reaching more people for Christ. I'll get to the world just in a moment. But here's the situation. In the New Testament, we're told to go to the nations in which there are many people groups. Right now in India, there are 150 people groups. In Ethiopia, there are 80 people groups. In China, there are 40 different, 46 different people groups. In Trinidad, where we go, there are 10 different people groups. And on throughout the world, it goes on and on. And over half of the world has yet to hear a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Half the world, over 2,000 languages, still don't have the Bible. And in most of the world, people are confused and people are deceived. How many has ever been to the Bahamas? Raise your hand. Yeah, you've been there. How many went on a cruise ship? You didn't go to the Bahamas. You went on a cruise ship. How many have been to Atlantis? You didn't go to the Bahamas. You went to Atlantis. All right. What I'm getting at is you go to there. Did you hear what you Did you hear? If you went to the store, you heard Christian music played. You hear Christian music all the time in all of our restaurants. 
the, the taxis, the cabbies will have a hat on, God's my co-pilot. And you'll see a lot of re- religious hostility. But many of them are the book of Galatians. They know of God, but don't know God. And that's a difficult thing to try to lead someone to Christ. The devil is working hard today. Islam and Muslims is growing rapidly all over the world, right here in the United States, but all over the world. And sometimes we don't see the walls falling down around us. There was a time, I don't know if it's still the, still the same, but there was a time a few years back that the New Tribes Mission Organization was kicked out of Venezuela. In Kenya, a few years back, they started wanted to tax all the missionaries who were preaching the gospel, which means they had to pay $800, and some would have to pay back taxes of over $20,000 just to stay in the country. In the mission agency that I'm affiliated with, there are 900 missionaries on 115 fields. But the missionary group is declining. This past year, the past few months, we had, a, we had a missionary dying almost every week. On our website, you can see they put their pictures. I mean, it's aging. There's people leaving because of health issues. They're resigning to take care of their older parents. Missionaries are coming home because, and watch this, because support is dropping. It's like out of mind, out of sight, out of mind. We have a problem with the mic. Let me turn it off. All right. The problem is, it's out of sight, out of mind. A lot of missionaries come back because the support is dropping. And the thing is, 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 is that there's a wake-up call today. A wake-up call is things are happening around us. There is a problem. Do you see it? The second thing is the solution. Look at chapter 2, verse 17. And the gates thereof are burned with fire, he says, but come and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem that we may no, be of no more reproach. Everybody was in agreement with the situation they were in. The walls were down. I bet you if we took a survey here this morning, everybody would say, yeah, we need to be winning more people to Christ. Yes, we need to be giving more to missions. Yes, we need to be doing this. And yes, we need to be doing that. But when we say that, sometimes we say they need to be doing that. I'll, I'll do what I want to do. The walls were down. And the churches, I believe, need to be started and need to be, there need to be need salvation. But the solution was obvious. But it took someone to say, saying it, it to motivate the people to do something about it. God has sent you Pastor Dale and his wife. He was here and they brought him back. He's been sharing his vision with you. and He's been sharing what God has put on his heart. It needs someone to wake us up sometimes. And, and, and Nehemiah cast a vision he said, see Jerusalem as a walled city once again. See it as a city. Seeing sunshine as a sending church. Seeing sunshine winning people all around the world all the time. See, I mean, the vision is seeing the progress, seeing the success. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't give up. Christ hasn't come back yet. And here's the solution. God says, see, there's a solution. We need to realize not just teenagers, but even adults need to be going on short-term mission trips. Amen? But it costs money. Do you go on vacation? That costs money too. But this is something, I mean, we need to stay here as Sunshine Baptists and get involved by giving to missions 
so the financial needs so you have your missionaries can have their support, that projects can be helped so that more missionaries can be supported. Wouldn't it be great that Sunshine Baptist becomes a great mission lighthouse here in Southwest Florida? Well, listen, the solution is, is Sunshine Baptist being a sending church as you already are for a missionary family. How about another one and another one? Our sending church has nine churches, they, nine families they sent out. Be a church taking ownership of the task of taking the gospel to the unengaged people. Just look at the Caribbean. That's where God has placed my, my heart. And, and in Curacao, we only have one Baptist church like yours for 150,000 people. Think about a place called Grenada, St. Lucia. I don't know of any churches that are there. I was telling a pastor last night in Trinidad, 1.4 million people, 26% say they're Muslims or Hindus. It'd be a great thing to go there and start planting more churches in Trinidad. So we see the solution. But may I give a suggestion? Just because the walls were torn down didn't give reason for them to be rebuilt. Just because the walls were torn down did not give a reason for them to build them back up. Why? The people were very content with that situation. As I travel sometimes around our country, and I'm not saying that's happening here, but as I travel around our country, I'm seeing and hearing and I'm reading churches just happy with their four and no more. They don't want more people coming to their churches. They don't want more people to take their seat. <laughs> you know, it's amazing how that you can look out and probably you sat in that same seat last Sunday. I went to a church over on the other side of the other side of the state one time, and I sat in the second row. You guys came early to get a big first row. These guys are cool. They're not Baptists. They came early to get a front seat. You know how that goes. I sat in the second. I sat in the second row on the end, and someone came and said, "Oh, Rick, you can't sit there. That's Mrs. So and So's seat." I said, "Oh, just think, I'm going to sit here." She was one of the deacons' wives. I knew the family. I'm going to sit here. Well, you know how you got up and shook hands with everybody? Well, I got up and shook hands with everybody. I came back. Guess who was sitting in my seat? <laughs> that was her seat. The thing is, just because the walls are torn down, don't give a reason for them to rebuild. We get complacent. We get complacent. Well, I've been going to church for 100 years, and we've always done it that way. Hey, that's 100 years ago, folks. It's a new. I mean, I don't wear the same clothes every week. If I did, I'd stink and you wouldn't want to be around me. The people were content and the people were just used to it. Kind of like out of sight, out of mind. So why should I help? You have missionaries come and missionaries like myself, we come and we share and we have a display and, and then uh, we'll have lunch and then I'll go home and you'll read our letters. You'll, you'll hear about us. Some of you pray for us. Some of you are on Facebook with me and I'll be have to behave now. And uh, But uh, you, we, we're all, we're, we're a joint together, but just call it, out of sight, out of mind. Just because there is a vision laid before you doesn't mean you have to follow it. Just because there's a, a vision before you doesn't mean you have to follow it. But because God commanded us to do it should be our incentive and should be our motivation. My God told me to go. I've not, I'm, I'm, 
I'll be 64 this year. It sounds old to me. I know some of you that age are older, but that sounds old to me. But my mind is still young. My body's not. Try to play basketball with a bunch of 40-year-olds. It's no fun. But you know what? From the time I've been eight years old when I became a believer in Christ, and to the time right now and until the day I die, the reason I do what I do is because my God told me to do it. That's my incentive. I grew up in a great Christian home. My dad was the greatest dad you could ever have. My mom was the greatest mom you could ever have. My dad, bless his heart, in his retirement years, he would go to the store every, every, uh, about twice a week, take a bunch of tracks, and he would go down the beer aisle and put tracks inside all the containers. That's my dad. But my dad never told me when I was a teenager to bring all the visitors to win the prize. I just did it because God told me to. I'm, I'm, I didn't get called to preach because my parents asked me to be a preacher because I want to be a doctor. But when God called, I said, okay. You're a believer in Christ. You say you're saved. You say you're going to heaven. That's all you need is the motivation incentive. God told you to do it. He said, but you don't realize. No, you tell your excuses to him. All of us have a job to do for God. To reach someone for Christ. To bring him into the house of God. See him disciple. We must get out of our comfort zone. We can't be content with the ways things are. Listen, we can't be content with just giving money. But we can't be content with not giving money. Because you know what? It takes money to do ministry. I mean, these lights just don't get paid for because, you know, pastor's handsome. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Churches don't get started in the foreign field because missionaries went. No. It takes money to get the job done for Christ. A great evangelist years ago said, it's not going to happen with pocket change and lint out of your pockets. Listen, we must get out of our comfort zone. We do it to show the power of God to change lives. And then God is glorified. That's why you do it. Why do you get a faith promise? Why do you give uh, above your tithes and offerings? Why do you give the special project? Why? Not because a missionary says, look what I've done. No, so God can get the glory. Amen. I mean, to see God glorified, not for the pastor, not for the church, not for the missionary, not for our own pride, but for His glory. So let us not shame God by our contentment. Let's don't shame God by our complacency. But let us see God glorified by our partnering to do greater things than ever before. With this number this morning, if you all partnered above your tithes and offerings and gave to faith promise, my dad was saved out of a denominational church where you, he, at that denomination should believe you go to heaven by your church membership or by the Lord's Supper. But he got saved, started going to church, started giving his tithe. His one aunt got upset because he was giving money to the church. And then when my dad worked for General Motors, God kept blessing him and blessing him and blessing him to the day, the day that he retired. His tithe was almost $200 a week and his faith promise was $200 a week. But you've never known it. One day the church said we need a bus ministry 
and it, but they didn't know how to you know, buy a bus. My dad raised his hand. We weren't wealthy, but we were blue collar. We were, we, my dad was a, worked at General Motors for 43 years. My dad raised his hand. He said, I'll buy a van. My dad bought a van. Had no seats. So we put folding chairs there. Can't do that today. Put folding chairs. Then they needed someone to drive the bus. Dad drove the bus. Then they needed someone to be the bus captain. Guess who he chose? We filled that up. Then they said, we need another van. And my dad, no one knew my dad bought those. He didn't do it for his glory. He did it for God's glory. And then it all begins and ends with you. It all begins and ends with you. And then verse 18 gives us the final thought. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as the, also the king's words that he had spoken to me. They said, let us rise up and build so they strengthen their hands for this good work. The project in Freeport, as I sat across the desk from the president of the company that gave the land. He says, what you're proposing, there's nothing like that here. That's going to help a lot of families. So then why do we do this now? The starting point, why do it now? What's the hurry? What's the urgency? Nehemiah tells how God to intervene in the circumstances in his life leading him to Jerusalem. He described his burden when he saw the situation and he realized the, situa the, the solution. As you know, God had placed him there for the purpose of leading the people to the solution at a specific time. God worked in the heart of the king to allow Nehemiah to lead the task. And the fact that God was leading the way made the timing perfect. As God has now given you, Pastor Dale, he's your leader. Do you agree with that? He's your pastor. The time is now. He's in the spot because God has called him here. And as a Nehemiah, the fact that God was leading him and God led Nehemiah in the perfect way, when Nehemiah finished casting his vision to the people of Jerusalem, they were ready to go to work. And that, as Pastor Dale gives you his vision that God has given him, locally, internationally, worldwide, then get ready, get on your gloves, put on your, your, your hats, and let's get to work for him. Ready to, to roll up your sleeves, go to work. I mean, this was not an overnight success story. It took years. It took problems. It took criticisms. It took enemies. And as a church, you need to start con and continue now to continue to do what you've done all along, but even do it greater worldwide for missions. We're in a time of emergency. The time of great need is now. Right now in the United States especially, you just can't, it's, it's hard to get the gospel out. But nothing's too hard for God. And, the, and outside these walls and going to internationally, the Muslims and Hindus are taking over land that's hard for Christians. Church, now is the time to rise up and build a stronger force and to attack the strongholds of the devil. And I conclude with this. Look at verse 19. And when Sambalat, the Hornite, 
and Tobiah the servant, the Amorite, and Gershom, the Arabian, heard it. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? There was an opposition. There's opposition to your commitments. Faith promise. You say, okay, God, that's what's called faith promise. Is you ask God and you give it by faith that God's going to keep giving it to you. Not because you have it. But you give out of your, you give out of your faith from God. There's going to come time that you have a bill come up. Do I give the faith promise or do I, God says, be by faith, give your faith. There will be opposition to your commitment when you want to go out and do a ministry by reaching others to Christ. But Nehemiah did not let the enemy circumstances set the course of actions. In verse 20, Nehemiah hoped for success was not in the king, but it was in God. And the success we're talking about is not in this church, not in your pastor, not in you, but in God. Are you ready? Are you ready to put, roll your sleeves up? Are you willing to give financially outside of your tithes and offerings to missionaries and do the work over foreign fields? Are you ready to roll your sleeves up and do a work right here in Port Charlotte? Are you ready? God said, go ye. And that goes for everybody in this room. Let's be the people that God's called us to be. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Together for the glory of God. Be ready to give our finances that God's given so God's effort can go out. Volunteer, get ready to go. Roll those sleeves up. The invitation is to be very simple this morning. As you sit there, some of you have been believers in Christ for many, many, many years. And maybe you decided, said, well, I'm getting older, I'll let somebody else do it. And that's not what God said. Caleb was very old when he took over the mountains and the land. No matter how old you are, God is calling you today to do something for him. So I'm going to do this. On the invitation, just a moment, we're going to stand out right now. I'm going to have a prayer and the piano will play. And we're going to invite you to come just at the altar kneel. If you can't kneel, sit at one of the chairs and pray and then go back to your seat. But I think you need to come and confess to God, God, I'm sorry I got complacent. God, I'm sorry that I, I quit on you. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know how much you want me to give financially. But God, I'm willing. Would you be willing to come and commit that to God this morning? Just don't sit there. But when we stand, don't just stand there. We want you to come and kneel and pray. So will you stand with me, please? Everybody quietly stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. So Jesus, we did what we thought was best this morning. And we spoke the words we felt you wanted to be spoken. I pray for that man standing here. There was a time in his life he, he used to be very much on what we call on fire for God. But he got complacent. He got maybe hurt. 
in a church setting. Or maybe, and you know the circumstance. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak to his heart. He'll come and commit that this morning at the altar. And for that lady that's standing too, same thing. It's a rough, it's rough out there sometimes, God. The enemies want to attack us. But let us realize this is for you and no one else. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're not going to sing right away. But I'm going to ask you right now, come on, just step out of your seat. That's right. And come and kneel at the altar. That's right, come on. People are coming. Don't have to worry about who's coming, who's not coming. I've been complacent. I've stopped. I want, but I want to recommit myself to the things of God. I even got mad at God. That can happen. Even got mad at God. Would you come and join these at the altar this morning? Come on. Why, why are you standing there? God's talking. God's working. God's speaking. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Come on. God's speaking. God's speaking. Yeah. What can I do for God? God's called me. I can do it here. I can do it on a foreign field. I can do it by giving. I can do it by serving. I can do it. You can do it. Do it if you try. Oh, God, thank you. If you know the song, has bowed, eyes closed, sing it with our, our leader as he leads us. Would you sing? And you can still come. There's still room. There's still time. Would you come? Come on.